Hello and welcome to Bruno Minute, the podcast that features your favourite Movies by Minutes hosts, plus me, teaming up to analyse the masterpiece album, The Return of Bruno, track by track. Hey, hey. Ooh, are you excited, Gile? John what? Boy. Yeah, what? That, uh, that's that's what not what it? we're... I think... I see what's happened here, because I think it's happened every episode that we've done of this show. Again. This is Die Hard Minute. Again. This is the same... Ugh, like, geez. I know we just recorded the other one, but like... And, you know, if you want to get into afterwards talking about Bruno track by track, by all means. Well, I've made notes on Bruno. I had to sit and listen to that thing. Hey, I had to watch the Hey, you don't have film. to sit and listen to Bruno. You get to sit and listen to Bruno, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor. But uh, I think you'll find... Oh, Luckily, I know that uh, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of every minute of Die Hard, including, in particular, minute 83. 83? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I know the one. Yeah, yeah. If you want to just get that up in your brain file effects and haul it on out, I think we should be able to salvage this. Uh... Loading, loading, loading. Done. Okay, yes. I've uploaded it to my there you uh, go. the there. front of my brain. We will be good to go. We'll change it up. So yes, hello and welcome to Die Hard Minute. Uh, yet again, yes, it is all of the Movies by Minutes hosts coming together for a big fun party time. Uh, I was going to say at Christmas, but Christmas will be over by the time <laughs> you hear this one. Oh, I hope you had a good time. Uh, this is Minute 83, and I am John Parker of Bat Minute 89. And I am Niall McGowan, also of Bat Minute 89. Oh, I, I, I'm upset with myself. I should have said Johnny Kaye. I, I don't know why I never said that. <laughs> I did do a subtle reference to this minute. I'm sure some people may have picked up on it. My, hey, John boy. But uh, <laughs> I think, that's, oh, well, we can talk about that later because I got thoughts oh. in that line. So <laughs> We will, we will. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, if you've heard our show, you will know her. Surely we are joined by, what? how do I describe you? YouTube sensation. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yes, Dale Kingsmill. Hello, hello, hello. It's lovely to be here. Christmassy time, talking about Christmassy things, even though they won't be hearing this until after Christmas, but, you know, it's fine. Well, you know, if they're like me, they keep the Christmas spirit rolling yeah, throughout January. Yeah, in their heart. Yeah, in their heart and in their, in their glass. That's, <laughs> that's why I just keep on drinking. I think you'll be the, the one of the, the prime people to ask about this, Dale, because, like, You've even recently put up a video about like your stringent Christmas rules because you seem to really yes. get into the, the the season. I am a crazy oh, yeah. person, yes. <laughs> but uh, are you aware that apparently in the, the even crazier UK, there's been a recent YouGov poll where the British public have declared that Die Hard is not a Christmas film. <gasps> no, <sighs> disgusting. What? And like, what's your would you regard it as a Christmas film? Because I've always regarded it as like, I yeah, would. it's a Christmas as mentioned, yeah. like every scene. So. Yeah, and because when you think about it, like most Christmas movies, I suppose there are obvious exceptions, like ones where people are turning into Santa or are elves or whatever. But you get plenty of Christmas movies that are like, it's a rom-com at Christmas or it's a yeah. whatever at Christmas time. So I don't see why action should be any different. I would call The Long Kiss Goodnight a Christmas movie. I would say Lethal Weapon is a Christmas mm. movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People always forget that one, actually. They always mention, oh, Die Hard's the only action he wants. Like, no, 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 no. Long Kiss Goodnight is important to me. Although now I usually have my uh, my post-Christmas uh, into the, you know, back into normal 
is always L.A. Confidential because that starts at Christmas Ooh. and then the rest of the movie moves into like the summer and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now that's kind of it's kind of scuppered because it's like, oh look, there's Kevin Spacey the whole time. So uh, <laughs> just like why, 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 why you gotta ruin movies? Every scumbag guy in movies. <laughs> <laughs> It, oh god yeah we could we could do our own podcast just about that we, we're all very mm-hmm. upset we apologize on behalf of me <laughs> but anyway uh, uh, but yes yeah, so we should probably stop talking about christmas and and upsetting things <laughs> and go in to minute 83 of die hard um we start off we get a shot of john here just for a second but we instantly hear hands over the walkie-talkie he's been listening in the whole time Touching. and uh yeah, this is one of the lines I've always misheard as well. Because I always thought he was saying, attention. Yeah. Was attention, Kaba, attention. But now it's like, oh, yeah, it turns out he was just like sitting eavesdropping on the whole uh, Twinkies and friggin' ice cream yeah, jungle gym conversation. Yeah, the question as well. If, if he's been sitting there getting all the info from Ellis, did he, like, tune in on the walkie-talkie and just politely wait for them to finish their conversation <laughs> before... <laughs> Well, maybe he was intrigued. Maybe he thought, oh, this Twinkie thing, this sounds quite nice. I want more information on this. I, you don't get them in Germany. <laughs> that could be that. Maybe that's his one indulgence. Because Hans cuts a fairly trim figure. And, you know, he's a classy, you know, up upmarket kind of guy. But it could be like, I do really like Twinkies. And I want to, I've always been intrigued about what is in the Twinkie, even though it is on the wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> but would he eat one with a knife and fork? Oh, oh totally. Have to. <laughs> totally. I personally think the most important thing for me to bring up at the very beginning of this minute, like it was jarring to me how much back hair John McClane has. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, he's boy. a hairy guy. He's a very hairy man. He's a Wookiee. <laughs> imagine just even hugging him like you'd, oh, it would be like oh. you'd feel your hands going through like miles of hair <laughs> no why are you describing this to me <laughs> oh it's just getting the image now that like you know now we're in the era of like oh we're gonna get a different star wars movie every year and uh yeah it's always oh, gonna be different oh rogue one it's a side story and we're doing a han solo thing and all this other stuff if they get to the point of like okay chewbacca in Die Hard, where it's oh just... Oh my gosh, Whoa. yes. And they never translate anything he says. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like the holiday special where it's, there's just like... I'm trying to think how many uh, Wookiee scenes there are. Endless <laughs> Wookiee scenes and there's nothing explaining what they're talking about. But just be, I would love just the, just this scene and just be like Chewbacca, you know, talking to whoever's outside and then just like the Hans Gruber alien coming in as like, is this Chewbacca... Chewbacca of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon that made the castle run. And it's like doing his whole spiel. Oh, it writes itself. It's genius. Someone make this. Disney, are you listening? Please, please. I think I would usually give away these ideas for free, but Disney, you can pay for it because I know you got the money. So. <laughs> but yes, uh, we have hands, as you say, going touching cowboy, touching. I'm not going to do the voice. Or should I call you... Mr. McLean. <gasps> he knows everything. Ellis has told him. Scum, yeah. Phil. Oh, I mean, we've established. I don't think anyone... I mean, like, what, what, what's your opinion of Alice Dale? Because I know, like, me and John had, uh, in our previous guest with Sean German, we were like, oh, lo- love to hate him. Just such a, oh, he's such a fun character. And Sean was like, I just hate him. I just despise seeing him, and I hate him as a person. See, 
he's Ellis is the worst, but I have to at least give him props and the end of the movie props as well. It does some great secret keeping in this scene just because you feel like Ellis is going to hand over John's wife. Like you, you just you're like that's it. We're mm. done. We're screwed. But he's just doing his own dumb thing. Yeah. Like at least he didn't do that. At least his stupid plan was I'll pretend to be his school friend. Like <laughs> I can at least respect him <laughs> for not dishing the important secrets. Mm. I guess. But he's still the worst. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like me, because yeah. me, me and John will have to do you know the rest of the scene, and we'll have to get into deep into like. You know what exactly is Ellis's plan here? Because what is his plan? Like what? What, what the... is his plan? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about that. Yeah, because again, I will get into it more. But do you think he's trying to like save everybody, or maybe even just himself by by turning them in, like you know, helping catch John, and then yeah. they'll let everyone go? Does he genuinely think that he can convince John? to stop yeah like is, is that what he's trying to do because you've known him for 10 minutes like I mean, <laughs> I, I, my major question is like why is he pretending like he's like old friends with him and i guess maybe the only explanation would be that well he can't just say like well he's a you know he's the husband of one of my co-workers because then that immediately puts holly in danger so i guess it's like yeah. a selfless kind of thing of like oh no i'll pretend yeah this. like He's my guest at the party, not her guest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, you could say that. But then also, I think I think maybe he's just trying to get some perks out of these guys, you know. He does, he does get a Coke. <laughs> he gets a Coke, yeah. exactly. So maybe he just thinks, well, I can make my life easier while this is happening by getting in with these guys. Because he treats it all like a business deal, doesn't he? Like a... Like he would, you know, a day at the office, he's negotiating a new contract with someone. He's so very stupid. <laughs> yeah. He is it's a... like at least the reporter guy is terrible, like a bad person. But at least his logic makes sense. At least I can see how his motives are translating into his actions. Whereas Ellis, it's just like wild card. Mm. <laughs> I need to bring that reporter up, actually, because, well, I mean, first, we have hands. There's just another little bit. He reveals he knows John's full name, his title, his police officer from the Big Apple, etc. That's fine. But this, this, uh, when we cut to the press in the van. Thornburg. Thornburg, yes, Thornburg. Which is a great name to say. Thornburg. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're attempting to get in on it, obviously. Surprise, surprise. The paparazzo. But... Right, I was instantly appalled the way he calls his colleague baby. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, or are they man. an item? Because you don't call your colleague. Just don't no. do it, baby. Like we've already touched on all the men ruining like professional spaces. <laughs> yes, and they're guaranteed. Yeah, they're not an item. He's just a sleazy, sleazy guy. <laughs> That's the impression I got, and it's like, oh no. And she doesn't seem to react to it though in any way. Maybe, maybe back then. She feels like she can't. I mean, I don't they, know. They, they, there, there could be that just, yeah, some people just don't mind it, or they're just very much like, eh, I believe that it was like, uh, well, this is a professional setting. I get it. I guess I just got to sit through it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be just, yeah, different mindsets in the 80s where, like, maybe she just wouldn't have questioned it. But whereas now it would be a bit more like, that's really fun. 
that you could say that to me. You know, it's it's a, <laughs> it's only like you know, I keep saying different time. I would expect more passive aggression from mm. a mm. real woman in that scenario. Like, yeah, I yeah. I I know plenty of people, and I'm sure like. Just generally, women everywhere have experienced that thing of, like, feeling like you can't actively fight against something that's just, like, base-level sexism. But yeah. what, but everyone does the passive-aggressive, like, resistance thing mm. as mm. much as they are able. So she yeah. should be real slow with getting that information for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she just smiles and runs off. Mm. It's like, no, I, w- I mean, if you made this these days, you would have to put in a really cool scene of her just having a go at him constantly. I think, like, even passive-aggressive, as you say, like, just undermining him, that would be fantastic because he's, he's he's awful. He's as bad as Ellis, uh, almost, this guy. Oh, no, he's, I, I, yeah, I think he's worse because like, he's such an opportunist as well. And then he he's, he's the one who goes and hounds... McLean's housekeeper and he, he manipulates yeah. gets Lucy out in front of the TV. Yeah. I think he's smarter than Ellis, but I think he's more evil than Ellis. Yeah, for sure, for mm. sure, yeah. Uh, I do have information though on the the woman here because uh, yeah. I was shocked cuz I was like, oh, there's not going to be much, you know, info on her cuz she's such a small part. But and again, because we are not privy to what the other hosts have already said, they may have already covered this. Yeah. But I was just like, holy crap, this is who this is? This woman is Tracy Reiner. She is the daughter of Rob Reiner. Uh, and oh. the, the adopted daughter of Ryan, Rob Reiner and uh, the actual biological daughter of Penny Marshall, who, of course, directed Big. She was Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. All what? this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah, she's been in loads of things. She's in uh, Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> she's in uh, Never Been Kissed. <gasps> wow. She's in A League of... Uh, a league of their own, wow. big. More Gina Davis. Yeah, Gina Davis. Yeah, exactly. The Sure Thing, which is an excellent John Cusack uh, rom com from the mid '80s that I highly recommend people. But she's also again because we do our hashtag Everything's Connected. She's also in Frankie and Johnny, which stars you know Al Pacino <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer, which of course Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, and Batman Returns. There it is, six degrees of separation. Uh... Exactly, and there you go, hey. Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, and Batman Returns. She's in The Princess Diary 2 with Anne Hathaway, Catwoman <gasps> from Dark Knight Rises. Wow, the grand spiderweb. Oh my god, that's like that's a, a double whammy. Niall uncovers all of these things, that's your speciality. Mine is Sith Lords. I did also note as well, cause I, thought, I thought I had to put it in, that Penny Marshall also directed several episodes of According to Jim. The Jim Belushi sitcom, which is terrible. So. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say that in case you were going to go, I love that show, but I was sat here thinking, oh my God. It's my favorite program, and I'm very insulted. <laughs> 2017, though, for me personally, I think for John as well, has been the kind of Belushi renaissance. <laughs> Of like the renaissance of Jim Belushi. So I hated Jim Belushi for so many years. And then he showed up in Twin Peaks. Yep. And he was like the best thing. He was one of the best things in it. I was like, holy crap, Jim Belushi is actually really good now. He was a god. He evolved like a Pokemon into his final form. Oh, that's always good. So now I'll be like, I'll go back and rewatch According to Jim and see what happened. And then I'll be like, oh, no, it was terrible. <laughs> it wasn't just me. I do think The Reporter was like, it's great groundwork for the film to be setting because ultimately the Reporter storyline only like has any impact on the major story with John at the, like towards the very, very end of the film. So it's a lot of like legwork to be putting in 
just oh, for that yeah, one yeah. big crazy. payoff. And I think it's worth it. It's pretty genius. Yeah, yeah. Although the, we don't, you know, we don't get to cover no, that scene. No, that's why I'm mentioning but, uh, it now. Well, there's still the chance. Undermine <laughs> the future hosts. But I've always wondered about Han's sort of psychic ability of like, he sees the kid in the TV and then he's just like, he overturns the photo. And it's like, has he looked at that photo before? Yeah, man. Or like... He has an eidetic memory. He looked at it once. He looked at it just after. Because there's that moment where she does the super dramatic, like she goes in to negotiate for like toilet runs and things. And then he he calls her Mrs. Something. And she says, Miss Gennaro. And he he glances at the photo during that. So he definitely did see the photo. Oh, okay, because I was thinking maybe that was overturned the whole time, and then maybe he somehow psychically knew they're like, oh, wait, wait a minute, this photo's been overturned, and then well, what do you know? It was that guy I was with when I was masquerading as Bill. Yeah, Clay I think stuff. there's there's two photos. There's the overturned one that has John in it, and then there's one like behind her desk or something that has. Oh, just her the there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot yeah. more sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then uh, we see Al now, and he, he wants him to get hold of somebody from Dispatch. And I was thinking, like, is it just me? I mean, I'm, I'm being nitpicky, obviously. That's the nature of this whole project. But Are you going to just... say what I think you're going to say? Well, well, I don't know. Hopefully. No, say it. Go. Has all of his audio been redone in post? That's exactly what I was thinking. Because <laughs> it's, it's not so even... Yeah, it's not even slightly moving like along with I his lips. I thought I was going insane when I watched it because I was, I was just like, <laughs> did he say it? Was it the other guy? Am I imagining things? I'm so pleased you said that. I'm so <laughs> glad you agree because at first I thought it was me or, or as you said, the other guy was speaking. So I rewound it a bunch of times and the only con- two conclusions I came up with were they've ADR'd it or the video file we've been sent is broken. <laughs> so <laughs> they were the two. I reckon they must have ADR'd it. They must have thought it's not clear enough that, you know, they, that the cops know that they should be looking him up as well or something. They've probably just thought we need a little bit more exposition here. Hmm. Throw in some audio of him saying that he's looking for dispatch. Yeah, yeah. Nobody made any effort in either case. <laughs> <laughs> it is like they, they just went, ah, it'll be fine. Just, we'll fix it later. And they just never got around to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's like our policy of like, ah, fix it in post. And then it's it probably just no one will notice. No one will care enough to focus yeah. on this one moment, this less than a second of ADR. <laughs> and here we are pulling it apart. They didn't, they didn't it's like anytime it. I get cocky, I think I've done an awkward edit in this video, but it's fine. No one will notice. No one will care. And inevitably... 15 comments. <laughs> oh, God. Don't say that because that's how we feel about our edits on the show. <laughs> but, uh, Especially when I'm doing them. But uh, I do have info also on this other cop that's here. I, <gasps> I, I can almost guarantee. How do you do it? This is such a big bit of information. Someone's bound to have come across this one at some point. But uh, again, much like Mary there, the, the newswoman with Thornburg, this guy is... Anthony Peck. This is Gregory Peck's son. <gasps> Whoa. And then also, like, okay, are you guys, I know you are, John, but Dale, are you a big fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance as well? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm less well-versed in it, but... Yeah. Yeah, sure. But uh, <laughs> you remember at the beginning, there's a whole bunch of different... Co- yeah, co- different, sorry, I've edited that. Different cops. Um, with Because oh uh, you have Walter, the commissioner guy, and then there's Charlie, the bomb expert, and there's a couple of different fellows. And there's a guy, Ricky. And Ricky's the guy, remember, after the whole subway explosion, 
when Simon calls him, they're sitting in the car, and he's like, oh, Ricky, trying to butch up by chewing on your glasses, yeah? That's yeah. him. That's Ricky. That's <gasps> the guy who plays him. What? So he's... I don't know if it's supposed to be. I'm, I doubt there's any in canon thing of like, yeah, Ricky was. No, it is now. Oh yeah, head canon for sure. Yeah, but, but like, <laughs> Ricky was yes. in L.A. Then he moved to New York, and he also happened to become a detective, and where John McClane worked. And what do you know? You know, that, that could happen. Like that could genuinely happen. Yeah. That's not outside the realms of possibility. That's that's very within. I'm I'm accepting it. That's the truth for yep. me now. There you go. It's official. Get it in the wiki. And uh, Anthony Peck also been in. Tragically, actually, I actually got genuinely kind of upset because I seen that he died in 1996. And I was like, oh my god. So what? I was actually like, I, was just, I don't know why. I was just so like, oh, it's weird. He's, like, he's near 20 years dead, this guy. And we're only just discovering who he is oh. now. But um, he uh, has also appeared in such classics as The Hunt for Red October. Uh, Last Action Hero, which is a movie I will defend to the death. I actually really love Last yeah. Action Hero. Yeah, it's a great Same movie. Mm. I'm still waiting for like the world to kind of catch up with it. Yeah, I never got why people didn't like it. But uh, also, Anthony Peck was in the classic, his final role, Carnosaur Three: Primal Species. So, oh, I have actually seen. I think the first Carnosaur. What? Unfortunately, I saw the first Carnosaur. Back in 1994, during Jurassic Park Mania, when it was put out in the video stores, it was like, you like Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> you, you I have not seen it. Uh, I was one in 94. So, yeah. That's no, that's no excuse, Dale. You must have been mixed, born into Jurassic Park fever. <laughs> yeah, clearly I'm letting the team down. Mm. They should have been doing like you know some DNA. people like play classical music to the baby bump to to <laughs> sort of make the child more intelligent. Your mother should have been like piping in the soundtrack to Carnosaur to get you ready yeah. for, for when <laughs> when you I came mean, out. I probably <laughs> did get Jurassic Park from before I can remember because my brother was in love with it, my older brother, and so he would just play it over and over and over and over again. So I mean, I probably got the dinosaur in my blood a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Seeped <Yeah>. in. <laughs> but either way, but we see John and he looks he looks kind of annoyed, I think, here. Because I think it's a few things. Like, he's kind of worried about his family maybe getting dragged into this. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Like, because he thinks, oh, well, the next step is logically Holly's going to get pulled into all of this nonsense. Like, I don't think he's worrying about himself. He's, yeah. he's just I think, thinking. I think he clearly that. thinks that they've found Holly. And yeah, yeah. They wouldn't think it was, like, he wouldn't think it was Ellis. Surely it's not. No, they've got Holly. They're speaking to Holly. Of course yeah. they are. <laughs> but, I, yeah, because he, um, I mean, he, she's the only one in his mind who'd have the information anyway. He's just met this guy five seconds ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But obviously Holly must have been talking about their relationship and about him to Ellis. Because Ellis, he's a bit of a sleaze. He's trying to move in on Holly as well, clearly. I oh, think. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I do think that was a good response from McLean in that, like, instead of, you know, going in, like, we see that he's visibly shaken, but he does play it cool with Hans with his whole, like, you know, Sister Teresa in the third grade called me, you know, uh, Mr. McLean. You know, my friends call me John. You're you're neither. You know, this sort of, it's oh, a good response. He's not letting them go, like, oh, if you've got me, he's putting up a defiant front straight away of, like, yeah, I'm yeah. still pretty calm about all this, you know, but 
That's it's just very true to McLean's character as well. So it's it's interesting as well to see the different ways that um, Hans and John react to the conversation, like separate to one another. Because you've got this like beautiful moment when Hans Gruber is first saying, um, or should I say, John. You know, Mr. McLean, Mr. John McLean. There's this beautiful moment where he's just started to give the information and his eyes like flicker over to Ellis just for a second. And it's almost like there's this this potential, this doubt, like what if this guy has fed me bad information and I'm making an yeah. idiot of myself right now? Mm, Whereas mm. on John's end, you've got him sort of trying to play it cool and and his little micro expressions that are like okay how do i get the upper hand again yeah, yeah. oh that's well spotted actually yeah he does uh, i just uh, looked back and he does sort of his eyes flick over to ellis a bit like almost testing him like mm. uh, you know if this goes bad i'm i'm just going to kill you right now. Yeah. <laughs> well that, that that raises the question though i mean we'll we'll get into it in subsequent minutes but like do you guys think that Ellis is all he was already screwed as soon as he walked in like there was no way oh yeah Hans was always going to do what he does to him no matter what actually oh, transpired absolutely anyone who goes into a conversation with Hans Gruber I feel like if you don't give him the information he's going to kill you if you give him the information he's going to kill you if there's some time requirement he's going to get the information and then wait mm. that out and then he's going to kill you like he's got yeah. no qualms I think he he probably, he only wants you there as long as you're useful. Yeah. Like, and he's not one of his men. And he doesn't even really care about his men that much. <laughs> no, not as all, long no. as he accomplishes the mission, it doesn't really matter anything else, does it? So he doesn't care. So there's no reason not to kill Ellis. <laughs> so yeah. I def- he definitely will. I do enjoy his uh, his terminology of Ellis as well, because it's... It's, <laughs> I guess he's kind of conveying what's what's going on, but it's also so condescending. It's like we have a very special friend, you know, because <laughs> Ellis obviously thinks he's a bit of a big shot, and Hans. It's almost like patting him in the back by calling him special, but it is kind of almost like it's like treating like a small idiot child by calling him. Yeah. You're know, like, oh, you know, like <laughs> you know, calling him special is supposed to be kind of talking them down to him, really, you know, <laughs> but. <laughs> I actually have a question as well about uh, John's line. Because, as you said, he says, uh, Sister Teresa called me Mr. McLean in third grade. So, wait, 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 wait. A third grade kid is getting called Mr.? I think that... <laughs> that confused I think that, again, me. that might have been... Yeah, like, man. I think it's you like, because... Call... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, it's like, it's clearly Catholic school, like, one of those situations where it's like, ah, yes, Mr. Potter. Like... Ah, Just one of those like, really strict teachers that calls everyone mm. by their surname with a Mr. or a Ms. in front of it. Yeah. The surname makes sense. The Mr. confused me. But when you've put it like that, like it, it, like Mr. Potter, yeah, maybe it's kind of like almost condescending again. Like, you're Mr. McClay. I just realized that I subconsciously picked an Alan Rickman character <laughs> as my example for someone saying that. But no, I think that, that that I think that that is what it is. Like I, I've seen that done in in schools and stuff. Like particularly like troublesome kids. Because you imagine John McClane was probably a troublemaker as a kid. You can imagine him getting hauled mm-hmm. in, you know, to the teachers or the principal's office, and then with the teacher, and it'll be, you know, won't you know, maybe with the other little children. Like, oh, come on, little Joey, and all this, and then with 
John shows up and it's like Mr. McLean, like a very you can imagine it's been said yeah. in a very condescending way. And if it wasn't way. that, it'd be super weird. Like if there is just this nun at his school who just calls him Mr. Like if it was just a nickname and not like a strict teacher thing, that's like super strange. That would be awesome if a kid's nickname was Mr. <laughs> it just, but that would freak me out. My brother's nickname in high school was Mr. Reese, so. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Oh, that's creepy, though. It's it's freaky when it's a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always have the problem of um, people mispronouncing my name as Dahl, and I can't tell Dahl. whether they just don't know how to say Dale or whether they're being patronising and calling me Dahl like Darling. That's the problem with this accent. Oh. It's just like, you can't, you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, in, in an Australian accent, that does kind of sound like Dahl. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, we should probably go back to Die Hard again. Oh, yeah. Die Hard. <laughs> die Hard. Die Hard. I, I noted, though, when, um, you know, because Hans goes to, uh, passes over the, the transmitter here. I just love the fact that the, our one shot of Carl and he is just smoldering. Like, you can see <laughs> sitting just like sit, smoking a cigarette, not moving, eyes constantly on Ellis, visibly despising this guy just <laughs> for being there. <laughs> See, when you said smoldering, my mind went to, oh, Niall thinks he's a sexy looking hey, guy. He's not He's not, not sexy. Don't get me wrong. It's time for the smolder. Yeah. Yeah. He's smoldering in the corner. His shirt needs to be more unbuttoned. <laughs> it's very Fabio the hair, though. Yeah. Very much a Fabio vibe. He, he needs to be wielding a claymore. Sorry, no, it's the other guy, the other terrorist we see in the background. He's got, he's got the Fabio thing going as well. It's like the... <laughs> yeah. Hans just wanted a whole team of Fabios. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> That's who I want back in meal. It would make sense if, like, <laughs> if we hadn't seen, like, you know, the um, the other terrorist who we covered in our earlier minutes, who was played by the guy who played Vigo in Ghostbusters Two, because he's a, a hideous, hideous man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it almost you could almost make a headcanon that like Hans was working in the fashion industry and all these terrorists are all just models that he's employed over his time. I love it. <laughs> That's why they all look a bit Fabio-esque. It's a bit Zoolander, that, though. Yeah. Like, instead of killing the Prime Minister of Malaysia, we're going to uh, take over Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> and they go, the? That's always the thing with the Die Hard. The actual scheme always gets lost, because all he's looking for is bearer bonds. It's always one of those things. For years, I was like, "What the? F- what is a bearer bond anyway?" It's a, it's a thing you can. It's some form of currency you can just take anywhere. And it's was it untraceable, or is it like you can just use it in any context, and it can never yeah. be brought back to where it originally came from, or something like that. That always or... confused me because I understand cash being stolen. Yeah, but like bonds, surely, surely they're yeah, like you know locked what? in a register. I have never thought about it before because I've always just like in my head translated it as like, I don't know, it's like the deeds to like rich something. places or something. Yeah. But that makes, now that I'm actually thinking about the truth of it, what? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure it's a very important thing to steal. Mm. It probably makes sense to someone out there. Someone on this show's probably gone in depth on it. Oh, imagine the, imagine during the line where he has like oh, th- thirty million negotiable bearer bonds. I'm sure those guys probably did. This is what a bearer bond is, but I haven't heard that episode, unfortunately. So no, not as of recording. Not as of although recording. your your voice you did there made me think that next we get uh, Ellis. He's on the walkie-talkie, and what the hell is this voice he's doing to uh, to John? John boy. He's like hey. 
John Boy. <laughs> I imagine as a, as a person who's called John, John, you probably have, does this not like trigger you in some way? You're like, oh, because I imagine some, somebody in your life has probably called you John Boy at some point. There's a guy at work. Is he, is he, he a, calls me a bearded yuppie <laughs> who frequently calls you John Boy? <laughs> he is not. He is not. In fact, come to think of it, half the time my dad calls me that. If he's not calling me dead, he's calling me John Boy. So you know, the thing is because we uh, because of the uh, the restrictions on the on the language in the podcast, we'll have to beep out that. But a lot of people are going to be like thinking that your dad calls you worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is he calling? They had to beep it out in an affectionate way. You know, that's the, it's the British way. Yeah. He will be that tie iron with love. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. You know, that's that's how you treat your loved ones over here with score. <laughs> but the, I don't think Americans fully understand that. They're, they're too nice. Too nice. You're lovely people. <laughs> well, you, you used to be. What's happened in 2017? Oh, let's Politics. Talk about that. We got our own problems over here, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everywhere, all of us are just slowly, slowly collapsing. <laughs> Everything's falling apart. Well, but uh, but yeah, I, I I do hate as well. Like I almost fell for for you with just the hey John boy because it's just like it just uh, they didn't come across as sleazy and hateful already. Just that tone of voice. <laughs> is, oh, I mean, it, maybe it's... in his defense, I guess maybe maybe it could reinforce the idea that they're old, old friends who definitely went to school together because no other relationship would enable that annoying uh, greeting, yeah. surely. That's a good point, actually, yeah. Because he's, he is trying to sell to them that these are you know good pals going back a long way. And I like the way maybe that's him trying to get John on board with the lie, perhaps. Like, yeah, if, if I treat him like a really close friend, he'll catch on and, he, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll play along for a bit and we can... Yeah, like a shibboleth. Mm, but, but John doesn't play along. <laughs> <laughs> even, even slightly. Like, the look on his face when he realises it's Ellis as well and not his wife <laughs> is interesting because he's... I mean, he's happy, but he, he knows that no matter his reasons for doing this, it's, it's not going to end well for anyone involved. <laughs> I do uh, enjoy the fact that because he, he almost plays it a bit low key with his, you know, Ellis, because you th- the fact that he has just met this ridiculous man earlier, and now this this idiot has come in and trying to think he can take over the situation. You think it would be more like Ellis, like really, like you? What the <laughs> hell are you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, that that would be our reaction, but th- this guy, he's a he's a diehard yeah. cop. I mean, he knows what oh, he's doing. I only just got why it's called Die Hard now. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you kidding me? <laughs> I thought it was because he was really difficult to kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is this blowing your mind? Is this a revelation? Is that actually why it's called Die Hard? I was, I was kind of joking about it. All right. Yeah. That's, oh, that's the reason, Jesus, isn't it? You learn something new every day. <laughs> that's what I thought the reason was. Yeah, because, you know, even in this situation, in, a, in not even his own city... He's going to be the cop. He's going to save the day. Copping it up. Yeah, you can't take the cop out of him. We got a little bit of dialogue from Ellis, which is going to be expanded upon in the next myth. And then we, of course, you know, 
the the camera moves from you know Dale, you enjoyed that shot of Bruce's back hair at the beginning. Oh, delightful! And we end here with another little shot of his back hair. So yeah, get get a little peek, get a little peek in there of the carpet. Yeah. Is that a tease for the ladies there? Ooh, little, little ooh, all the ladies ooh. love a hairy back. I was about to say <laughs> delish, and then thought better of it because it made me make a face. <laughs> like I just imagine now, uh, Bruce Willis like shaven. And doing that Homer Simpson, but doing it in his Bruno voice of that shaving my shoulders, I'm getting it all shaved <laughs> off. Oh dear, I, I it would be hard to shave you uh, back. Actually, I, how do you do that? I'm thankfully like I'm not a particularly uh, hairy person, you know, particularly up top. But um, <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's, uh, so I've never had to deal with it. Although I know one one of my brothers is insanely hairy, which is weird because like with three of us. Two of us are smooth, and then he's he's like friggin' Robin Williams. It's, it's weird. <laughs> he took all the hair. He got it all. Yeah, somehow it's just like it all clustered <laughs> into just this one guy. <laughs> well, I, I've never had to shave my back, luckily. Um, that would be hard. See, as we got you here, Dale, because like, again, you know, if people aren't aware of who you are. You're sort of. Uh, you know, how you make ends meet, because I don't know if you make a lot of money out of it, but what you do on YouTube is a predominantly mythology videos where you recant myths and legends yeah. in a very sort of laid back and very quirky style. And um, I believe we asked you when we were on, when you were on with us in Batman, if there was any sort of mythologically linking, mythological linkings with the Batman and Joker characters. But just the story of Die Hard to me, would you see any, myth, you know, Myths that would have popped up that have been similar because I think I would think like oh it's like the labyrinth or there's bound to be something mm. in like a tower or something where someone that's oh. an interesting thought. I mean, nothing is particularly popping up because mythology is so um, not interested in individualism so much. You know, it's like you you have your heroes that are everyone's favorites or whatever, but they're sort of uh, they're they're defined by major events or by parentage, that sort of a thing. Whereas having, like, I don't think you get the underdog story in mythology. They're not interested in that. They're only interested in people who come from positions of power and continue to be powerful, and then eventually they die and they get to be powerful in the underworld. Um, whereas, you know, this this idea of, like, the barefoot cop alone against every bad guy yeah i don't think there's necessarily equivalent at, at least not in um in in greek mythology mm. yeah it'd be interesting to to look into it a bit though yeah, mm. yeah I, was, I was kind of hoping there would be one there because i'd never even considered that question mm. i would have thought like maybe oh there must have been like some story of like you know heracles has lost his shoes or something like that that might have been <laughs> <laughs> oh i wish that would have been Brilliant. That would have been an excellent Heracles story. Yeah, I'm going to go away and think about it now. Well, if you do think of one, let us know because there is a uh, a listeners group on Facebook. Yeah, we could post it to the, to the group. I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm going to try to work out what is the story most like Die Hard. <laughs> and before we go, because the minute does not end here, basically, Ellis just he goes into negotiating mode, telling John not to drag things out. He wants him to kind of rein it in. Uh, and then the minute ends. Uh, so before we go, Dale, would you would you like to 
maybe talk about your history with the movie? Do you have a history with the movie or the series? Or? Do I have a history with the movie? Um, I mean, I've got a, probably a backwards history with the movie in terms of um, I probably saw 4.0 first. What? Oh. Of the day I'm, yeah. Um, because, oh. because I don't think I sought them out for a really long time. It was more just like dad was home on the weekend was like i'm gonna put on a diehard movie and whatever one he put on i watched so i kind of watched them backwards and then probably like four or five years ago i finally was like i actually haven't seen the first diehard movie so i should sit down and watch it and you know ever since then it's like every christmas we want to watch a christmas movie every night and one of them is usually diehard oh i must i I can just imagine though that to me would be like, oh, you must have been like, and so, for such a treat to be like to watch a a relatively in four point to watch a relatively that's eh, okay kind of you know that's an alright yeah, movie. It's like it's it's decent, it's entertaining. Yeah, and then to build that up into like, holy crap, this first one's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. At the same time, though, it must be kind of shocking going from the action of of four. Yeah, where it's all like huge stakes massive fight scenes like here we go people are getting ground up in like oh man uh, yeah, yeah. surfing a plane <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then back to this which is very serious mm. it's ah, oh, and it's so the the first one is just really clever in the way like what is it matt colville always sort of says um of die hard that you know he gets his ass kicked all the way through but he still wins the whole way through mm. um and that's the that's the charm of Die Hard. That's what makes everyone yes. love it. And it's it's never been able to do it quite as well as it did in the first film. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Three comes close, but like, say, once you get to four, and then five, five is ridiculous. Mm. He's just he's a superhero. Yeah, basically, like he's not John McClane like, at it's, all it's, anymore. I mean, there's still entertaining Bruce Willis moments, but it, it feels like here's Bruce Willis in an action film saying funny mm. things after getting hurt um, rather than yeah. in, in Die Hard 1, it felt like it had purpose. Like everything that happens, like I, I still, I get so stuck on the, the barefoot thing because it's brilliantly laid out and then he's barefoot for so long and they just remind you every now and then while he's looking for shoes and then they hit you with the bit that hasn't happened yet with the glass and it's just yeah just a foreshadow but um yeah it's just it's just so clever it feels like everything that happens to him that is terrible has some purpose (laughs) i also have to ask as well because one of the you know i like the fourth one okay but like uh, one of the bits that's always stuck with me because it just made me realize as I was watching, I was like, huh, I just really wish I was watching the first one now. That's when they, uh, they he's introduced to like an FBI guy and he's Agent Johnson and he's like, huh. you know, he has a kind of like little eye roll, like, of course. Like, yeah. but to that to you, when you finally saw the first one, then were you like, oh, or did you did it not register as that 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 joke didn't have any purpose in the fourth one, so it didn't really what? register when you saw the first one of that, that was what that was supposed to be. Yeah. It was underwhelming the way that I experienced it. It just didn't make sense the first time. I am impressed that, um, the, the Ramona flowers. I can't remember the actress's name, um, who plays his daughter in 4.0. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. Ooh, nice, nice brain. Oh, I've I've got, I've got a big thing for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think she actually looks pretty similar to the kid who's playing his daughter in this first movie. They did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We, it's good casting. We covered the um, 
the kid who who plays Lucy in this. And we find out she's like, I think she makes her she makes her living now. I think she's a, a professional extreme extreme frisbee player. <gasps> that's uh, like, amazing. <laughs> something along those lines. The, the yeah. fact that that can be a job. Yeah. Like, why have I not got this job? I love that. <laughs> I would never want to be a frisbee player, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think 31-year-old men are cut out really for it. I, I think it would be a bit late for me to get in on the scene. Hey, but, you know, you know, for recreational purposes. You can be whatever you want to be, John. Follow your dreams. <laughs> I think attending a, a an extreme Frisbee pro game is now on my bucket list. <laughs> I feel bad. Make sure to, to to look her up. Like, look up Lucy McLean in this movie because something like extreme Frisbee, but I'm not entirely... It, it might turn out to be like something... If it's not extreme Frisbee, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> But uh, oh. before we do go, though, Dale, where can our good listeners find you in your work if they're if they're intrigued about the mythology and whatnot? Ooh, if you are intrigued, you can find me on YouTube at Monarchs Factory. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Daily Dale, where I tweet lots of very important things all the time. Definitely not just things about me. Wearing my sister's flannel as a wimple and singing nun songs. <laughs> that is important. The, the yeah, listeners need is. to know. Yeah. And if you want to know more about us for some bizarre reason, um, you can find us at Batminute89 all over the internet. We're at Batminute89 on Twitter. We have the Batminute89 Listener Society on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram as well. You can find us there. And we're on iTunes, so rate us on there because that's very helpful. And rate Die Hard Minute on there as well. If you want to tweet the show, uh, that is at Die Hard Minute. Uh, there's a Facebook group, Die Hard with a podcast listener's limo. Uh, <laughs> that always gets me out of breath trying to say that. That's a mouthful. Uh, or there is the uh, the website, dieharddominute.com. The old .com, something we haven't got because we don't care. Uh, if you'd like to catch up with other Movies by Minutes podcasts, there's a website for that too, moviesbyminute.com. And there's everything on there, everything. Star Wars is the best, of course. But then you've got Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, everything. Just have a look. If you like a movie, it's probably on there. Um, and I was going to do a funny outro, and I just wrote, do a funny outro again, Niall. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Oh, That's dear. <laughs> you can put in uh, like audio of Bruno singing Under the Boardwalk or something. <laughs> it's like, there you go. It's... <laughs> Can you sing under the boardwalk for us now? Serenade us um, as we go into the, yeah. the outro music. See, I don't know. I don't think I know any lyrics that would be on under the boardwalk. And then it's just... <laughs> There's just nothing. Under <laughs> the boardwalk, down Ooh. by the sea. There we go. Hey. More words. See, I knew one line <laughs> more than Perfect. you did. That's it. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Well, not see you. <laughs> hear you. Hear us. We will hear you. We don't audio, care you. audibly say things to you tomorrow. Yeah. Adios. <laughs>